to the Employer Blueprint Podcast, where we help leaders build great teams for great companies with your host, entrepreneur and leadership coach, Kyle Gorman. Well, it can sometimes be challenging to uh, really remain authentic within our business, especially when we're starting our business and as we're growing the business. Oftentimes what you see is over time, um, an individual uh, personality really starts to kind of come into the organization and you can feel that and sense that. But it's sometimes difficult to do that early on because we recognize, uh, especially within our industry, hey, this is how things work. This is what it's supposed to look like. This is the mold. This is what the, the cookie cutter is. And and so we just need to um, try to emulate that. We need to try to match that. And if we can do that based on our knowledge and experience, then we can be successful. But I would argue that it's actually really important to introduce your personality as an entrepreneur. Um, Allow your business to take on a bit of your persona. If you're a little kind of rough and gruff, allow that to be a little bit about who your business is. If you're fun and lighthearted, allow that to to really um, fold into your business. Be authentic about who you are and allow your business to take on some of that personality. Today's guest, Ken Green, has done just that. Uh, He serves in the finance and insurance space, which is traditionally a very, um, well, traditional and and conservative type space. But he takes a very unique approach, and he really has incorporated his personality into his business uh, in an industry that that's not necessarily the norm. So we talk about that and other things as he's developed his own model and uh, found a way to take care of his clients and focus on that first, knowing that other things will come into play. But I encourage you to kind of listen to today specifically from that mindset about how you can remain authentic in your business and serve your clients in the way that they need to be served um, and not just simply take on the cookie cutter mold that's been put out there for you. So enjoy today's episode, and uh, if you've not done so already, please be sure to subscribe to the show. Leave us any feedback. We would greatly appreciate it, and if you have any questions, I'd certainly love to hear from you. Take care and have a great day. Well, I want to thank you so much for joining us on this week's episode of the podcast. Uh, we've got our friend Ken Green with us, who uh, has kind of an interesting journey and, and um, an interesting uh, business. Not that the industry is all that interesting, as most people would consider it, but the way that he's been able to uh, to take that and really make it his own and put his own personality in it. So looking forward to diving into that a little bit. But um, Ken, before we get started, why don't you uh, just kind of walk us through history experience and, and catch us up to what led to where you are now? Well, a little bit of, well, thanks for having me on, Kyle. I appreciate sure. it. So it's a, it's fun. And a little bit of, about my background, how I got into the industry. <laughs> <clears throat> so a little bit of my background, uh, got a Bachelor of Science, uh, earned a Bachelor of Science in Electrical Engineering and Civil Engineering at the University of Nevada in uh, Reno, Nevada. Mm-hmm. And uh, engineered for a long, long time. Loved it. Uh, got my professional engineering licenses in uh, Nevada and California. Love development, love troubleshooting. And uh, 2008 occurred mm-hmm. where all land development in Nevada stopped. Yeah. And uh, even the public works projects uh, for the city. The thing is, is when the city doesn't can't collect taxes, <laughs> they can't pay for projects either. And so, a little, I, I say literally, I shouldn't say literally. I just... I'm on the corner of the street saying, well, engineer for food. Hmm. And so that's how I got into the financial industry. Mm -hmm. Uh, But I mean, like just 
that's kind of my, my background and how I got here. I always would get asked that question. How do you go from professional engineer yeah. uh, to hosting the engineer of finance podcast and a financial advisor in an industry, which uh, I hate the industry, yeah. <laughs> but, yeah. I, but I love, I love my clients and I love educating people a different way to, to play the game uh, financially. And mm-hmm. so, but that's how I got into the financial industry. Uh, and I probably just cut some corners, but my background, uh, I was an in, turn doing electrical engineering work um, on electronic ignition systems. Mm-hmm. Uh, the company at the time, was, I, I don't know if I should mention the company, but uh, they, it was great. I mean, I got to go see top fuel drag racers, pro stock drag racers, be on wow. the track, be surrounded by some brilliant minds in electrical and uh, mechanical engineers. And then that company was going bankrupt, even though they said they weren't. It's like, oh, what do I do? And I just graduated, right? Yeah. As an electrical engineer. And so I had an opportunity to be outside plant design manager for a large telephone company. And I was like, okay, that's, oh my gosh, you're going to pay me this much. And I get to show up and learn. I'm getting paid to learn. This is great. So I was in that industry for about almost five years and was working with a lot of different developers, uh, developers, uh, land developers uh, for residential homes, predominantly businesses, and helping on the the layout of the conduit systems, fiber optics, et cetera, copper. And they were craving a civil engineer. I'm like, mm-hmm. And they couldn't find any civil engineers because uh, they couldn't for the workload. I asked a few friends to, uh, yeah, I, here I go on my tangents, but I asked a few friends, uh, how would you like to do some civil engineer work uh, for the developers? And they said, like, oh, no, we, we enjoy our job at the telephone company. We're not interested. Well, I was starting to get a little burned out because I listened to one of your episodes about meetings. Mm-hmm. Uh, the telephone company should listen to that because I found for at least in the industry I was in, uh, for a telecommunications company, very poor at communicating. <laughs> and yeah. it's just meeting, meeting yeah. after meeting and finger pointing. It's like, oh, my gosh, can we just sit down and figure out uh, the solution? And not yeah. do the problem again. How 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 empowering would that be? Mm-hmm. And so I was like, you know what? I I'm a electrical engineer. I uh, I could figure out becoming a civil engineer. So I went to work uh, in the civil engineering space full time. Then mm-hmm. I was going to school full time at the university to get the civil engineering degree. So it was pretty, you know, fifty hours a week doesn't sound like that much work. But when you're working fifty hours a week, and like my biggest credit load was fourteen credits in one semester, all engineering. And uh, yeah. so I was a machine. My my best friend at yeah. the time was like four houses up and he saw me it's Christmas break and spring break, you know, when yeah. school's out uh, for the yeah. summer. And so that's how I got thrusted into the civil side as an electrical engineer. Cause I just love living in the Reno Tahoe area. Yeah. I love it here. Love skiing, love the mountains, love the water, hiking, biking. It's just, everything is around me. And so that's how I got on the land development side, did that for a long time, loved it. Mm-hmm. And uh, very proud to get that PE License. I mean, that consists, I don't know how familiar with that background, but that consists of an eight-hour exam to get your uh, uh, in, engineering training. Right. And then you have to, um, in Nevada, four years of learning under PEs. Mm-hmm. And then you have to take another eight-hour exam uh, to get the PE license. So yeah. a lot of fun. And then to add on to it, California is another five hours with exams. Yeah. So, <laughs> so I, a lot of work to get that, that stamp. And of course, with that stamp comes a lot of rules and responsibilities. Sure. Uh, but very proud of that. And then years later, all of a sudden, engineering just stopped and say, yeah. oh, I'll engineer for food because I didn't want to leave the Reno Tahoe area. And it's like, I got a great idea. I've always wanted to learn about money. And boy, did I do it the wrong way yeah. because I lost everything uh, through that transition. It was brutal. 
You know, uh, I was, I, I thought I had a good financial advisor, mm-hmm. advisors around me. Mm-hmm. And then when I got in the industry, I thought I was going to learn so much and found out, oh my gosh. Uh, and not, I don't want to insult people, but the industry itself, after about a month or so, I was like, oh my gosh, uh, these guys don't know anything about money. They're just incredible salespeople. The ones that are very successful, hardworking, charismatic. I genuinely believe that the good ones believe what they're, they're selling. Right. Uh, but I kind of make a joke that they just didn't want to sell used cars anymore. So now they're selling securities, which aren't so secure. Mm-hmm. And I know I'm saying that in a broad brush, and, and so I don't want to offend anyone, but it was kind of a big eye-opener. Yeah. And uh, here's uh, per, me as an engineer who likes working in the corner mm-hmm. and not a very social person at the time, uh, knocking on doors, cold calling, mm-hmm. selling auto and home insurance, helping people with investments. It was, uh, boy, was I treated way differently. I was treated like scum at first. Yeah. It was not a fun feeling. Yeah. And then, but then after a client, after a client came to see me, it's like, wow, you're not what we expected. You're not what we expected. And just naturally being me, I was very contrarian to the industry. Mm-hmm. I naturally uh, stood out because I was unique, not knowing I was unique. Mm-hmm. And it's been a real fun journey since uh, end of 2008. I mean, holy cow, it's 2019. Yeah. And uh, I have survived this industry. <laughs> and, uh, you know, and engineering came back. I thought for sure I'd uh, go back to engineering full-time when it came back. Uh, mm-hmm. But what happened is um, I could not let go of the relationships of the clients that I just absolutely enjoyed representing. Yeah. So I literally got to the point I was engineering full-time during the day when it came back. And then I was seeing select clients at night to help them with money. Mm-hmm. And it had nothing to do with about uh, income. As long as is what came in paid the bill for the, the building, for right. me to see clients' office space, I just had pure joy helping others uh, avoid because I know a lot about what not to do. Right. And so it was just so much fun teaching them a different way to play the game. Pretty simple concepts, but always uh, joke, yet brilliant, simple mm-hmm. yet brilliant. Mm-hmm. And uh, so that they could enjoy their money today and could have a way, way wealthier tomorrow. Yeah. And it doesn't have to involve Wall Street. That's like the big shocker. So mm-hmm. that's my long, hopefully that's not too long with an answer. So does that help? No, <laughs> that's my yeah. background. Yeah. That's my background. You know, one of the things that's really interesting about that, Ken, is um, just the the pivot that you were able to make in your career. And, and uh, a lot of people throughout the course of their career, whether they're thinking about kind of with an entrepreneurial mind or if they just, um, you know, maybe have started to get burned out or in a situation like yours where the market or, or economy in their specific space or industry starts to fall out, um, that is, it can be really scary to think about pivoting in your career. So, when you went through that process, um, what were some things or maybe some challenges that you dealt with in trying to make such a big decision to say, all right, engineering is not here. So, I mean, you sort of had this burning platform that you knew this is gone. This doesn't exist. Um, I know I need to do something else, but there's still kind of a leap of faith that you take whenever you you make that type of decision. So, um, what are some things that you did to kind of help you make that sort of pivot in your career in that 2008, 2009 timeframe? Well, it's amazing what you're willing to do when you're starving, right? Mm-hmm. So, um, and uh, I just looked at, I never, ever got a job for the money, ever. Yeah. I always found a job like, hey, I can't wait to learn and be involved with something special and produce and create. Yeah. And then how I get paid is ancillary. Oh. And 
this was the first time I made a career choice for the money. I got into the financial industry because I needed to uh, to make money. I needed to survive. Yeah. And uh, boy, did I hate it at first. So the so the pivot was absolute necessity. And uh, I just didn't. I mean, I grew up in Morristown, New Jersey. I moved out in high school, um, mm-hmm. and in uh, to, to the Tahoe area, like middle, like halfway through the sophomore year. And I just there was some engineering opportunities back east, mm-hmm. but I had my first serious relationship in my life, who's now my wife. Okay. So it's probably a good choice. I decided, and I have a beautiful yeah. baby boy. He turned three yesterday. Oh, great! And so it was, I didn't want to. You know, it was great. Here, here we thought. You know, when we first started dating and stuff, that a year prior, that we're looking at waterfront homes, and um, I told her her job was just to take me out in the boat from six a.m. to eight a.m. for all the <laughs> traffic comes out, and then we'll mm-hmm. come back have breakfast, take a nap, and go out and play. So that, so she went seeing me, thinking I was, uh, I thought, uh, not retired but financially free. Right. To within a year, um, I'm on the streets and lost everything, mm-hmm. and uh, with that pain and how she endured that whole thing is beyond me. So I must be special. Yeah, that's uh, right. but, uh, but it was good. I stayed because uh, we have a great relationship. Uh, my stepdaughter, my son, my parents live here in the Reno Tahoe area, my family, my friends. And so it was like, as much as I loved engineering and took a pride in learning, you know, every day, uh, I wasn't willing to make that big jump uh, back East. So I was willing to do anything and everything. And boy, was I machine. I remember December, I finally had the, all the licensing. So I had permission to sell right. auto and home insurance and life insurance. Right. Yeah. And, and by the way, those exams, uh, I don't want to get myself in trouble to regulators because I think they have a, a point of, of testing, right? Some form of barrier of entry. Uh, but it's, I would argue those exams aren't really, testing on how good you are as a, an insurance broker, an insurance agent or representative, or, I mean, you're understanding rules and laws. Uh, I mean, the, the, the 65 exam uh, to get your investment advisory mm-hmm. rep. Uh, it's, I mean, it's a lot of law. It's a lot of boring, boring yeah. study of law. I yeah. wouldn't say that once you pass those exams, Oh yeah, I know exactly how to set ones. We, we got the magic now of uh, financial success for all our clients. <laughs> Uh, but that's how, that's how I got in the industry. And, and I remember December, yeah, working every single day. I mean, a machine, at least 60, 70 hours a week. I wouldn't take any days off. And after a whole month of knocking on doors, cold calling, asking for business, mm-hmm. just to help on auto and home insurance at the time, I sold a, a family a auto insurance policy, a home insurance policy, two little life insurance policies. Mm-hmm. And I made like a whopping... $500. I used to remember the dollar amount exactly. <laughs> so going from a $10,000 a month budget at the time to $500 a month in income, you would think I would have been super upset, but I was actually elated. Yeah. I was so proud of myself because I knew if I, oh, and the clients, well, how come no one's ever educated this before? How come no one's ever explained to us how auto insurance works and home yeah. insurance? And this was, uh, and, and more importantly, how it doesn't work. Mm-hmm. And so I knew there's something I was creating a value to the industry and for my clients, but I was super stoked because I knew making that 500 bucks, whatever the number was, mm-hmm. it was something pretty small. Actually, I think it was more like 350. Mm-hmm. Um, I knew that I did it once. I knew I could do it over and over again and become right. better and better at serving clients and people. Mm-hmm. So does, is that pretty thorough yeah. answer? Yeah, I like so that. That's, well, but yeah, yeah. survival. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, to survive. 
And to your point, it's amazing the things you can do whenever you're starving. Uh, and I can tell you, it, it was not it was not easy for sure. Yeah. And as much as I poo poo the industry, I am so grateful for how much I've had to grow as a person. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, yeah. learning to to listen, boy, listen, mm-hmm. and understand different human behaviors and psychology, and and learn what's important to every client that sits down with you. Because what mm-hmm. I find important might not be what's important to a, a new client sitting down with me. And so, um, but that's how I got in the industry. Very grateful. But there are times in the first couple of years, I mean, I would literally be like, I'd rather shovel horse crap mm-hmm. than deal with this industry. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I can imagine so, that. But, but, you know, but that's, that's yeah, survival uh, to survive. And, and then it just became what seemed like such a curse just became such a blessing uh, being yeah. in this industry now. Yeah. You know, one thing that I think is is really interesting um, that you have done, and obviously you're sort of, um, you know, the the anti-finance and insurance industry guru. Um, I know, you know, even on your side and, and, you know, the way that you market is, you know, it's finance and insurance, but different. Um, <laughs> and, and one thing that you have done that's really unique is you've taken what is, you know, very standard, very traditional. Um, May maybe even say kind of boring industry, uh, and you've been able to put your own personality into it. And so, um, for those that want to go check out uh, his website, greenfi.com, you know, one thing that you can't miss is, is you know, the green T Rex. And of course, there's a story even on the website about why um, this green T Rex is, you know, is part of the identity of the company. And, um, you know, the, the, it's a very uh, sort of casual feel, much more kind of down to earth feel that you've created with the company, which is a bit unique in that industry. So um, what was it you think that that led you in that direction? I mean, as you recognized you were good at it, the obvious tendency would be to say, um, you know, this is an industry that I'm pretty good at and I've seen the cookie cutter model. I know how it's supposed to look. Here's 10 other companies that do it this way. And so if I can do it like them, I know I can be successful. What was it that led you to say, I can't do it that way. I've got to be me. I've got to be authentic to who I really am and have the kind of willingness to say, we're going to put a little bit of, um, should we even say fun into what would be a very, uh, a fairly boring industry traditionally? Uh, I would say almost immediately I decided I wanted to do it my way. Mm-hmm. Um, when I came on, I had an independent contract with a very big uh, insurance entity, mm-hmm. and they have incredibly great commercials. And they, uh, and there actually is a training facility in California mm-hmm. uh, to teach, which they, they reference in the commercials. And uh, I got, I met their criteria, I met all the contracts within a month or two. Mm-hmm. I'm flying down to California to get training, and I thought I was going to learn so much about insurance. Mm-hmm. And the first, within the first hour or two, I'm arguing with the instructor because uh, he was saying, hey, clients don't want to be educated on insurance. They don't want to learn this. They don't want to learn that. Uh, and it was just all sales crap. And I was like, you know, I completely disagree with you. Uh, every client, except for one in 10 years, yeah. has wanted to be educated on the most boring topic in the world, auto yeah. insurance. <laughs> but within five minutes, I can explain how it works and more importantly, how it doesn't work. Right. And uh, when I got in the industry, I was with an uh, insurance company all my life, which they have phenomenal commercials too. Mm-hmm. And I thought I was part of a select club uh, because of my parents' military, my dad's military background and 
Uh, by the way, one of my only regrets, uh, the military wouldn't take me because I had metal on my shoulder from a oh. dislocation. Yeah. Not that I wanted to go out to war or have to deal with killing people, but just the, the training and the education yeah. and the discipline. You know, my, my grandparents, my, my dad, it's just something I want to be a part of. And, mm-hmm. and so the, having metal on my shoulder um, was, was a deal breaker at that time. Yeah. And so, but when I got in the industry, uh, you know, it was very on the insurance side, I said, clients want to be educated. Mm-hmm. And the instructors tell me, no, no, nah, they don't want to be educated. You know, they lean in, you lean in, they lean back, you lean back. But I'm like, what kind of crap is this? So right off the bat, I knew I wanted to do it my way. And when I got in the industry and I realized here, I went from a, a, a broke college kid, uh, get my electrical engineering degree. And I had my, just my beat up CJ five to here. I'm having a strong income as a licensed, prof- you know, as a professional engineer, you know, I had 40 acres of land in Reno. I had my home, I had, you know, my, my retirement, my investments mm-hmm. and toys, motorcycles, cars, right? And I still lived well within my means. And not once the insurance company uh, pick up the phone and say, hey, you might want to have a little bit more than $25,000 in liability protection. Mm-hmm. I thought it was unlimited. Hey, I pay insurance. I got a great rate. And then right. come to find out, no, they'd gladly cut a check for twenty five grand, and the rest yeah. is on me and right. a major loss. I had no idea. And so right off the bat, I was like, anyone who walks through my door, whether become a client or do not become a client, yeah. I'm going to educate them how it works more plan how it doesn't work. And then there's auto insurance and home insurance that came to the financial side. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I knew right off the bat, I wanted to do it differently. Yeah. And uh, I just knew that if I treat everyone who came through my door, elevate them and treat them exactly how I want to be treated. Mm-hmm. And I am very anal. I struggle with the whole perfectionist thing. I want to do everything perfectly. Mm-hmm. I was like, if I treat people at that level, and they come in and they walk out the door, whether they become a client or not, that's going to come back to me tenfold. Right. Right. And so I, that's, so getting the argument with the instructor, I knew right off the bat, I'm going to do it my way. And then the fun part over time, again, I did it all wrong. I mean, it, I learned over time who are the, my perfect and my ideal clients. Right. Initially I'm taking everyone on. I just wanted to serve everyone. Well, yeah. guess what? Not everyone liked me. And I didn't like them, but I still wanted to help. And so there's, there's rules over time. I did a podcast talking about it, to, you know, how, how to find your idea, your, who's your ideal client and identify right. that because then every day will be a joy. And when it comes to the dinosaur, that's Joey the T-Rex. Yeah. And so, and then I also have the Bankosaurus. And so I'm a big kid. I'm very, I'm not an intimidating looking person, but I can be very, very intense. Mm-hmm. Um, but, I, but I like to have fun. And, uh, so that's like a blessing curse. Some people don't like my dinosaur and they don't <laughs> think I take money seriously. It's all fine. You guys are too serious. I want to represent you. It's fine. There's, mm-hmm. there's tons of other serious ones out there. Uh, they'll take your business, but, um, yeah, it's, it's when you're having fun and your clients are having fun, which is, yeah. I would say probably one of the second most boring topics in the world outside auto insurance is, uh, finances. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's, that's yeah. it, it can be a real boring topic, but if you can find a way to make it empowering, make it simple, make it doable and repeatable, um, boy, can you accomplish a lot. And it might yeah. just be for some clients learning how to stuff money under a mattress. Yeah. And if they get that concept down and that habit drilled down, mm-hmm. that'll distinguish them from 95% of the American households in this country. Right. And let's have fun doing it. And so I'm still working on trying to find a cool little supplier for the Bankosaurus. Uh, <laughs> but if I can educate, especially from like a kid mentality, yeah. it'd be great. And, and I lost initially off that whole uh, logo, my marketing copy at the time. 
did not like Joey the T-Rex because they couldn't get the logo down. And I'm in the middle of a, they used to compete a lot in tennis tournaments. In the middle of a tournament, I get a call from my marketing person and I said, hey, thanks for calling me back. I know what I want. It was an epiphany. It came the night before. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I was looking at my uh, stuffed animal my dad bought me when I was a kid. Yeah. And I was like, I want my logo to be a dinosaur. (laughs) I want to be a (laughs) T-Rex. This all-knowing Mufasa-like eyes and he's your he's your best buddy, but uh, no one's going to mess with you in the on the alley too. It's like what a great yeah. way, like the wisdom of finance, uh, protecting people's assets, yeah. and also having fun. And he's your buddy. So, yeah. but yeah, just have fun because if it's not fun, why do it? Right? Yeah. So, I, I, I wish I yeah. could figure. Wish I could figure out a way. Like cleaning my room would be fun. Would be. Yeah, taking out the trash and doing the lawn. Yeah, yeah. Wouldn't that be nice? Well, I do think it's really interesting the way that you've um, just really remained very authentic in that. And and again, it's so easy for us as we're developing businesses to go and look at what everybody else has done and then say, well, if I just model that, I know I can do it. And I know when I started, um, when I was starting my first business, that was something that I very intentionally did not do. And I had a lot of people really question me on that is I did not go research other companies. I did not research to find out what they were doing to figure out how to do it. Um, instead, I researched who my client base would be and said, what do they need? Um, and how can we help support that? And I had a lot of people that questioned that. Um, and maybe to this day, I, I don't know whether they were right or I was right, but I know I'm happy with what we do uh, because our focus is not on being exactly like everybody else. It's doing what we do, the way we do it, and knowing that we do it incredibly, incredibly well. And so, um, but sometimes, but I know that that's a difficult thing to do. And I admire the way that you've done that within your business and the way that you've kind of still kept a um, sort of a a fun atmosphere around uh, kind of the environment that you've created. And I think that's really good in an industry that doesn't typically have that. So I I certainly commend you on that. Um, Well, thank you. One thing, you know, that I've noticed, uh, Ken, you, you're obviously a perpetual learner, uh, you know, from the engineering side and then going on to get further degrees and then um, uh, on the insurance and finance side and going on to get the additional certifications and the way that you just continue to learn. And you even made, you know, made the comment on the military side that, you know, just the regret of being able to go in and learn the things that they do and the way that they do it. How much of your success would you contribute to that continual learning process and that desire to always know more and learn more and understand more? Oh, I, I think the day you wake up and you think you've arrived, mm-hmm. uh, you're done. Mm-hmm. And so, um, I, <laughs> you know, I, was, I had a client call me about a year ago. I said, hey, maybe you should stop saying on your podcast that you wake up every day and you realize you know nothing. People might misunderstand that. <laughs> so I was like, yeah, that's a, that's a good point. I just, I'm a, I thought it goes back to like when I was getting my, when I was in school, getting my electrical engineering degree, I thought, you know, when I it was in my freshman year and I got to my junior and senior years, I thought, boy, by the time I get there, I'll know everything, right? I'll mm-hmm. be so smart and so knowledgeable. Yeah. And, and the closer and closer I got to graduation, the more and more I became aware, I was like, man, I know nothing. Yeah. I know nothing. I mean, just all the creators and producers in this country, in this world, I I mean, from the computer technology to, I mean, holy cow, just creating this paper. Mm -hmm. I mean, there's just so much, there's so many specialists in so many different areas. And uh, thank God for YouTube and Google and all the great uh, browsers that we have such, so much information. Mm -hmm. Uh, 
that we can click on and learn. Same time though, of course, there's a lot of crap out there too. So it's hard to tell you get, then it's like, okay, now you need a specialist to help you filter through what's real and what's not real. Yeah. Uh, But yeah, I just craving, I mean, just, I love learning. I learn, I love learning. And I think constantly I talk about Kaizen and becoming more and more efficient and getting better and better what you do. Uh, there's always this ability to improve, but it's also helped me back off a little bit that if I didn't see something perfectly, I would not even start the project. Mm. And that's crazy. Mm. And so it's something, this battle that I struggled with where you got to move forward. You're not going to understand everything perfectly, but holy mm. cow, if you get it 99% right. and you just move forward, uh, okay. you're going to accomplish a lot where it, uh, sometimes uh, views, uh, trying to get it perfect, uh, boy, that could just be a great excuse to never do anything, right? And to procrastinate forever. Yeah. Uh, but, but yeah, learning, I've got so much, every day I see a new client or I'm working with an existing client, we're doing a review, annual review or quarterly review uh, or something's come up. I learn as I love to teach and I love to learn. And I learn so much from my clients uh, on a, a daily basis. Mm-hmm. And, and I learn just watching my son, um, he, uh, his little ticks and his behaviors at three years old. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, I learned from him. I learned from my, my daughter. I learned from my wife. I, I just, I want to learn. I want to become better and better and, and also um, more understanding as well yeah. Yeah. where people are coming from and why they're making the conclusions that they make. Mm-hmm. And to me, that's what makes um, life so much fun and fascinating. And just even as simple things as just skiing. You know, how do I make that turn a little bit better? Right. You know, or right. uh, so it's just, that's why I just can't wait to pop up in the morning and get after it. Mm-hmm. And yeah. so I, I think, uh, so I think now, uh, yeah, I th- does that answer it pretty good or no, do I, I mean expand yeah, on well, that? You know, I'm, I'm, <laughs> I, I'm a huge uh, believer in the need for us to continually be learning and um, whether it's diving into our industry or, you know, the things that we're very good at, let's figure out how we can, um, polish those up and make them even cleaner, make them even better. The things that we aren't so great at, let's see if we can get at least a baseline understanding of it. And so I, I definitely believe that there is, um, there's a lot of value and a lot of benefit. And, and, and what I think is really interesting in your, um, you know, particular story is that, you know, it, it, it would appear as though that desire to learn is really what's directed your entire career. Because instead of just seeing something and saying, gosh, I don't know that I really understand that or like it. You've taken that to the next step um, to say, well, I want to learn about it. And then as you've learned, you've recognized, here's how I think we could do this differently because maybe there is a different approach and something that we could be doing um, better. And so that that um, that need to continually learn, I think, uh, should be... Um, sort of a foundation for many of us, especially in the entrepreneurial world, um, to constantly be learning more. But I love the way that you've you've kind of taken that to the next step to say, not only do I want to learn, I want to be able to teach, and then by teaching, I'm able to learn. And so again, there's sort of this sort of kind of um, um, this ongoing cycle that that we get to experience with that. And uh, and I think it's really neat how you've been able to navigate your career with that focus on learning. And as you learn, you're able to to actually develop a career out of it, um, which is really unique. Thank you. 
So you, uh, you'd mentioned earlier, and I'm just wanting to know if you could maybe give us a little teaser of some of the, uh, the simple but brilliant concepts in the, um, uh, in the finance and insurance space. I know you'd mentioned, you know, there's just, there's other ways to do it. There's other things that we can be doing and it doesn't have to be the traditional form that we've always learned. So what are, uh, what are a couple of those kind of simple but brilliant concepts that could at least start to get those ideas into our head and maybe change our, our mindset a little bit? Yeah, I always, I always make the comment that a, a test is easy once you know the answers. <laughs> yeah, and uh, I was like, one of my engineering professors said that. I was like, yeah, that's that's really simple yet brilliant. Yeah. The test is easy if you know the answers. <laughs> so yeah, uh, I I I remember. Uh, I think I think I was. 22 when I was working with a telephone company and one of the managers said, Hey, I just got done reading this book and I really enjoyed it. Re- really simple read. Mm-hmm. And it was Robert Kiyosaki, Rich Dad, Poor Dad. Oh, you yeah. read that book. It's like, Oh my gosh, it's so simple. Right. Yeah. But it take, it took someone I mean, reading the book and looking at it from a different prism mm-hmm. that sound set the foundation of how I started seeing money. Yeah. And, and it also backed up my thought process as well, where I think in one of the chapters he discussed, don't get a job for the income, uh, get it, you know, it's, it's an incredible education you're getting paid for. Yeah. Right? And so, um, so yeah, a test is easy once you know the answers. And I would say that it sounds so simple, uh, but when I had my, I, I was making more money I knew what to do with at 22. And so I went to seek out your typical financial advisor. Sure. And he didn't look at my financial environment. He didn't look at my cash flow. He didn't look at my saving strategies. He just was there to sell, instead of selling a vacuum or a car. He's like, oh, you should dump your money into this qualified plan. Mm -hmm. Right. I'm like, wait a minute. I'm 22. I want to do this. I want to travel. And you're telling me to put away all this money that I can't touch, tie it up until I'm uh, 59 and a half. Mm -hmm. I mean, and tie it up till I'm dead. That's crazy. It's like, I'm not going to even live to 40, let alone 60. That's like, that made no sense to me. Yet, right. it, you know, here, I really respected him, what he did in, in the real estate side as a realtor. Uh, he's a great uh, guy. He's charismatic. And I was like, all right, well, you know, and I just thought I had, you know, was getting the best, the best education. So I went on that, that path. And I would say the best way, the, the simple nuggets to start with and just learn from everything I did wrong. When I... On is uh, I would say that a very simple thing would be to a live within your means, mm. right? So yeah. I don't care whatever the threshold is. I always like simple numbers, but it's like whatever you make gross income. Because I'll get asked that question: gross or net? Whatever you make, save ten percent. Mm. And I would say, our in this low interest environment, if you really want to step it up, make it fifteen. Mm-hmm. I never had a savings mentality. Um, at 2022 and going forward, I, I put, I lived well within my means, but in uh, what I didn't save the money, I was like, why should I put in a savings account and make nothing in percent when I can put in all these investments that are going to have these double digit returns? Right. It made no sense to get zero, one percent, where the banks are making all this money off the spread. And you want to dive that. And what they do as a fractional banking entity mm-hmm. is just amazing. You and I did that. We'd be thrown in jail, but you know, <laughs> uh, legally they get to do it all day long. Mm-hmm. And, and so it just made no sense to me uh, to, to make 0% or 1% when I could put investments. Now, the problem is, is that um, when there was a money crunch, 
liquidity. So I would say number one, live within your means, save at least 10% what you make always. I don't mm-hmm. care if you make 20 grand a year, 50 grand a year, or you're making a million a year. If you could save 10% or 15% or when you know, I got enlightened in what I treat, t- teach in the financial industry, I mean, really the light bulbs went off for me in about 2009, 2010, 2011. It's like, man, I got to just teach this to the world in a way yeah. different way to play the financial game. Uh, but it's, it's the mindset that, you know, um, yeah, whatever you make, you pay yourself first and that goes into a savings account and that make you know, at least 10%. I mean, yeah. I adopted over 20%. Mm-hmm. And, but you just do that piece right there. That'll distinguish, distinguish you from the majority of American households. Mm-hmm. Cause the biggest uh, part I see is that this, um, I, I don't know why it's just, um, people haven't have, more than their neighbors. It's just this weird thing. I mean, um, a millionaire next door is a great book way back when I'm not saying I agree with everything taught in that book. Uh, but, uh, you'd be amazed at how many at the time in his book, I think he was talking about four Tauruses, uh, Mm -hmm. but the millionaire next door, you have no idea is the millionaire. Why? Because they live well within their means. They don't have to advertise their wealth and, uh, and they're just incredible savers right off the bat. So I would say the simple step, whatever you make, save at least 10% or 20%, whatever that number is. Yeah. At least 10. Um, number two is emphasize you want to have liquidity. Mm-hmm. When I lost everything, you know, I had my 40 acres I owned outright. I had my house. I kept overpaying the mortgage every single month, which by the way, very bad strategy. I could prove that in 15 minutes. Uh, <laughs> under our current tax codes for most households, that is a very, very bad strategy to overpay that mortgage. Mm-hmm. Uh, because if, if your mortgage is, is uh, $1,500 a month and you've got 25 years left on that note and, and the next day, next month, you just say, oh, I'll throw an extra 10 grand in there. Well, guess what? A month later, you still got to pay that $1,500 mortgage. Mm-hmm. You don't get to go to the bank and say, hey, remember all that extra money I paid? Right. Um, and, and that's what I went through is um, my land owned outright, my house, all the toys. Uh, the uh, But what, a funny thing happened when you're, your income goes away. Mm-hmm. You have a nice uh, six-figure income, and you call up the bank and say, "Hey, a funny thing happened. I, my land's worthless. All my investments are tied up. I can't access the money. Mm-hmm. Uh, stock market is just taking a huge dump. Mm-hmm. And oh, and I also don't have any earned income. Remember all that extra money I paid to you, uh, Mr. and Mrs. Bank? Mm-hmm. Can I just?" not pay you for the next six months until I find a new job <laughs> and then I can start up again. And so sure enough, uh, you know, the, the phone hung up on me. Yeah. And uh, so I would say number one, save number two, uh, um, have liquidity, have immediate, immediate access. It could be under your mattress. It could be in a safe. Mm-hmm. It could be in a savings account. Don't worry about what the interest rate is. Having that kind of money liquid. Right will distinguish you again from the majority of American households. Mm-hmm. And what also happens, so that's, that's number two, is, is when you have over time, if you have a lot of money liquid, mm-hmm. opportunities, you don't even have to look for them. Opportunities will seek you out. Right. I mean, even in the, the real estate market in um, downtown Reno and Northern Nevada is, is still a great sell, uh, seller's market. Right. Mm-hmm. And, uh, but if you have a whole bunch of money sitting in a bank account making 0% or in your mattress or in your safe, mm-hmm. uh, you still can find some really great deals on a property right. because you have someone who has immediate need to sell that home. Who knows what the issue is? Uh, and if you could hand them cash within two weeks, 
mm-hmm. that's going to opportunities will seek you as opposed to going through the mortgage companies where, I mean, they're solving for terrorism. Now they're solving for, uh, it's not just debt to income ratio anymore, a good credit. I mean, because of the Patriot act and funneling money, funding, funneling money, mm-hmm. the, it's like the only thing they don't ask for is uh, blood and urine. You know, it seems like now, uh, to get, to get, to get a mortgage, but I would say those are the first two simple steps. And uh, I don't know how much of, um, my website you've dived into or I talk on the podcast. And then typically step number three is this someone, the way I do it design wise, I talk about the bank of Soros and uh, it's just a very well designed in alignment with other assets, uh, whole life insurance policy that holy cow, can this thing do amazing things. And when I discovered this in, I think it was 2010, end of 2010, early 2011, mm-hmm. I studied it for nine months. And uh, my first client was me. Mm-hmm. And it's like, I got to teach this to the world. Yeah, I got to teach this to the world, but it's all about the design and structuring things correctly. Because now what you can do is you can create control, liquidity, use and equity, just using one, um, one, uh, product. Uh, and that can complement and supplement everything else out there. But yeah. I would say those are the t- top three of yeah. what I go to. Yeah. Is that, and it seems pretty simple, right? Yeah, absolutely. I and mean, that's really did good. You hear, did you hear Wall Street mentioned anywhere there? Did I, I it become didn't. successful? <laughs> I didn't. I didn't. That's, that's contrary to what we're, what we believe, right? Uh, Wall Street is the way to become rich. Um, well, Ken, thank you so much. Um, you know, obviously for people that want to learn more about this, tell us how we can learn more uh, and, and kind of dive into some more information that you have. What are some resources that you have out there? Sure, I could dive into that. Can I add a little bit, another thing to yeah. that, by the way, on the Wall Street comment? I want to emphasize, I mean, and it is all about having fun. And so you go to my website, I would say the best way, I it used to be the, the landing page is green FI with an E, but a lot mm-hmm. of people forget that E. Mm-hmm. And so uh, an F for finance, I for insurance. I thought that was real clever or FI for financial independence. <laughs> and the majority forget that E. Even after I say, don't forget the E in uh, greenfi.com. So the other way to get there is engineerfinance.com. Yeah. And so, uh, you know, you've arrived because you've got uh, Joey the T-Rex that's stomping on the corner of Wall Street. <laughs> and it was just kind of my poking the bear, having fun. Yeah. And, and the thing is, is what I want to clarify is, uh, I I absolutely love Wall Street. I think the stock market's fascinating. Yeah, it's not what I'm against. What I'm against is the majority of the financial industry that is systematically taking our money with the brainwashing of that the first place to start is an IRA or a 401k mm-hmm. or some other government created uh, structure. When you really dive into it, it's a marriage in hell between the financial industry mm-hmm. uh, and the government. Mm-hmm. It's like what a great idea. Uh, we're going to convince people through all the advertising that we're going to give us all your money today. Mm-hmm. We're going to take it all your life. And then the golden years kick in at 60 or 59 and a half. And then we're going to give you back in little tiny doses. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, that is the most, that is so fundamentally wrong in my opinion. Not yeah. that 401ks can't be powerful IRAs. They can be, but as a go-to, no, start saving money. You know, I mean, I, so, but to, to learn more, um, uh, I'm not the best writer, but I have a story to share. Mm-hmm. And um, one of my favorite books is a short read. It's written by Richard Bach. It's called Illusions. And right at the beginning, he says, I don't like writing, but I have a story to share. <laughs> and so it's kind of <laughs> it's kind of how I started doing podcasts and, and doing guest speaking and, and writing these blogs is that 
uh, it really scares to this day. I don't say it scares me anymore, but you always get that energy, you know, oh, yeah. that, like yeah. butterflies, yeah. excitement. And, yeah. But I want to share a story. And so I would say go to engineerofinance.com. Yeah. I've got a, a fair amount of blogs on there. I have my podcast, which is the, the Engineer of Finance podcast, where I, I share a lot of stories, have guests come on. And a lot of it's just me poking fun at myself and everything I've done wrong. So I know I poke <laughs> the financial industry, but I, I don't ask clients or listeners to do anything that I'm not willing to do myself. Yeah, It's like, just do what I'm doing. And, 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 and by the way, it doesn't matter what I think is right, it's what people think are right. right. But yeah, go to engineerfinance.com. Yeah. I've got some fun uh, blogs. I've got some fun resources on there. I'd say that's a, a great place to start. Mm-hmm. And maybe listen to the podcast. And if you find me entertaining and you get knowledge, great. Um, what's great is that they don't, they just turn it off too. So it's <laughs> <laughs> just a beautiful thing about just, podcasts. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it well, is. So. Well, that's good. Yeah, make sure uh, everybody make sure to go ahead and check out. He's got some really good information out there in his blogs and, and check out the podcast. Um, thank you so much, Ken. I appreciate uh, what you've done for your industry and what you do for your clients. And thank you for uh, coming and sharing some information about your journey with us as well. All right. Thanks, Kyle. Thanks for having me on. Thanks for joining us on the Employer Blueprint Podcast. Be sure to subscribe to the show to receive the latest episodes. For more information on how Employer Blueprint can help build great teams in your business, visit EmployerBlueprint.com. Or to inquire about Kyle speaking at your next event, visit KyleGorman.com. And until next time, make it a great day. Music.